cliffcentral.com We're going to cry, laugh and love. And we're going to do it together. The Life with Libang podcast. That's right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Life with Lebang. And if you are listening in, you are tuned in to cliffcentral.com. Just in case you're wondering, where is this lovely place where all this great value-adding information comes from? Well, we are live in South Africa and we are coming to you from cliffcentral.com. Uh, my name is Lebang Kosana, and as you know, the purpose of the show is to connect with you. The purpose of the show is for us just to bond and to speak about like real life things. That's like, I think like the one of the few things I'm good at is just like having conversations about the things that we all experience. Or if you haven't experienced it yet, you most likely will at some point in your life. And I'm very happy to be here today. I'm feeling so good. My energy is at such a chilled level and I'm relaxed. It is that time of the year where the sun is out. When you step outside, you are going to find some sun and hopefully it'll be good to you because it's been good to me. It's really been good to me. It's been crispy, but it's been good nonetheless. So wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, whether you're in your car, whether you're at home chilling, whether you're washing the dishes, get comfortable, get relaxed. Because as you know, Life with Lebang is only about life things and the things that we experience in life. And again, like I said, if you haven't experienced this yet, that's cool. Consider this a, a class, like a, you know, a, a, a bit of a lesson as to how to maneuver when you are faced with this thing. And what is this thing I'm talking about? As you guys know by now, I just came back from maternity leave and my fifth baby is out of, out of me now and in my life now. We are, yeah, we are doing this household thing. <laughs> we are doing this life thing. And because I'm also such a career driven woman, I still want to work. I'm not the kind of lady that can, you know, just like chill at home forever and just be like, oh, housewife vibes. This is cool. I mean, it looks cool. I mean, those people that are good at that can be good at that and good for them. They probably thrive in and I'm happy for y'all. I'm just not that person. I am quite the opposite. So I'm happy to get back into the groove of things and get back into work mode. But that obviously means I need to find some sort of care for my children. There's absolutely no way that I can leave my kids at home and just not know what the, the, what the plan is. I need to know that I've got the right care for my kids when I'm not there because truthfully, there's nobody that'll look after my kids the way that I do. As a parent, only you can look after your kids the best way if you're that kind of parent. So finding a nanny is not the easiest task. And if you grew up in a household where there was a nanny, then you'll know that essentially the the role of this nanny or caregiver is to, you know, in inverted commas, be the parent when the parents aren't there. This person provides care, they provide love, they provide support in the way that a parent would. But if the parent is not available for whatever reason, that is literally the role that the caregiver takes. So finding the right Nanny, finding the right caregiver. That's where the danger is. <laughs> that's where it gets truly difficult. It is, it's a task on its own that requires a lot of intent. You have to be intentional about finding the right person because you can find anyone. And if we're being honest, the way the economy is set up right now, people will do anything to, to earn an income and 
sadly, that also means people that aren't qualified or aren't trained or aren't possibly know nothing about the world of caregiving will just take a chance and be like, yeah, well, psh, taking, care, taking care of kids, easy enough. I used to babysit my, my younger brother or my little cousin back in the day. I can do this. And then, you know, they spice up their CV and put all these qualifications on there. And in the interview process, you're like, ah, oh, this person's perfect. Just like campaigning and politicians. And, you know, in the, in the campaigning process, everything is squeaky clean. That's when you see like, oh, the t-shirts, the groceries. That is when like they are essentially I want to say juting you or frying you, but essentially they just kind of, they just campaigning so that they can get your vote. Once they've got the vote and now the nanny starts the work or the caregiver starts the work, you see that the, this doesn't match. The energy you had in the interview uh, or on your CV is not what you're displaying. So it, it, it's a, it's a bit of a sensitive topic for me personally. And why I want to speak about it is because these past maybe two months have just been an emotional roller coaster with regards to finding the right caregiver for my children. Just because I wanted to come back to work so quickly and that meant I have to find somebody that I can trust. And I thought I did. Truly, truly, I thought I had found the right person. I interviewed this lady. She was awesome. I was like, oh, you're so great. We're going to get along so well. Our energies were aligned. You know, we, we spoke the same languages. Like I was just ticking that box, that box of like, you know, basics. Like she needs to do this. She needs to speak this. She needs to, I was ticking, tick, tick, tick. I was like, oh, perfect. Checklist. Everything. I love her. I think in the second month is when I realized that this person actually has no cooking clue what they're doing. She was just winging it. And I mean, I guess I have to give her like kudos for, <laughs> for winging it. But like, it just, it didn't work out, especially because it's just such a sensitive, like the nature of this work is very sensitive. You either love it or you don't. And as a result, you're either good at it or you're not. And there's various ways to find nannies even. I personally am the kind of person that'll just go into like Facebook or go into Twitter and be like, hey guys, looking for a nanny, send your recommendations. Of which is probably not the best thing because that's how you end up with like whoever, whoever's auntie or whoever, whoever's cousin. And again, not all these people are essentially qualified. It's just like, oh, well, we need work because of how the economy is set up. And it's unfortunate. But then sometimes you'll get lucky and you'll find the right people through those very avenues. And then there's agencies. Some of these agencies, you know, are essentially the middleman or the middle function between you as the employee and your potential caregiver slash nanny. And they kind of make the screening process a lot easier. And that's what you pay for. You pay a little bit more so that you don't have to do the struggles of, oh, sitting through long-winded interviews and blah, 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 blah. Essentially, when you get to interview stage, they've already, you send them a checklist and you say, look, these are my three or four or five things that I'm looking for. And they do the work for you. So if you can afford an agency, kudos Good for you. Do your thing. And also I, I would assume that agencies only have like credible people, like credible employees and credible people that apply there. They won't just give you anyone. And this is an assumption because I personally have never used an agency. I don't think I will, but I know that a lot of people have and they have had a great time. So why I want us to talk about this today, like I said, I went through, it was an emotional roller coaster of, I found my perfect nanny. I'm so happy. I'm confident. I'm back at work. And then as soon as I get back to work, I'm like, actually, mm, 
I'm not really sure about this anymore. So by God's grace, I was eventually able to find the right person. And like I said, the important thing essentially and why this matters is because that bond and that connection that this caregiver has with your child is so essential in how they care for your child. I grew up in a household where there were tons of nannies would come and go (laughs) almost like every year. We just like switching them up. And I never understood why it would have been nice to just have like one person that I could grow with, but it just didn't happen that way. And so you try and create these bonds every year with a new person and that as well must put some sort of strain on the child. Look, there's a lot of layers to the situation and that is why I want us to discuss it because I don't want any new mums who are in the situation to be scared of it. It is a big task. It is a, it's a huge task that even till this day, I mean, I've got five kids. I still get asked like, Hey, where did you find your nanny? Please help. And I still haven't got it on lock. I can't tell you the formula because I still don't know. It's just, it's a, it's like a, it's an energy thing for me. Like when you know, you know, you know, it's like a process, find a process that works for you. But at the core of that, the relationship that this person will have with your child is what you need to pretty much essentially hone in on and ensure that that is swift because there's things that we go through in life. There's things that the child experiences. There's things that the nanny caregiver experiences. There's a lot of things that we need to consider. So I'm happy to let you know that I'm actually not by myself today because this is not a conversation that I can single handedly carry and impart, you know, information to you and confidently say, these are the answers alone. You know that my strength is people. I have to bring in the right people to have these conversations with you so that you can also be empowered. So that when you're done listening to this episode as a first time mom, second time, third time, fourth time mom, dad, whatever the case, you can feel more confident in your journey of selecting the right person that you can trust to take care of your children because it's such an important thing. So I'm joined today in the studio. I'm very, very happy to share with you that I'm chilling with Belinda. And when, before we came into the studio, I had to say to her, uh, Belinda, how do I pronounce your surname? This is the first time I've encountered a surname of this caliber. Like it is, a, I, I want to call it a grand surname just because the way the, the vowels are put together is, it's just so unique. <laughs> I don't see it often, but I made it uh, my mission to introduce her correctly. So today I am hanging out in studio with Belinda Grunbaum. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah! I was worried for a moment there. Grunbaum, and it's actually spelled G-R-U-E-N-B-A-U-M. That is, like, we need a whole different episode so you can just explain the history of your your surname because that is something else. So Belinda is a social worker and counselor at the Family Life Center. She's been working in the field for 10 years and has obviously worked with multiple families. So you can just imagine what she's experienced. And she's obviously got great interest in children and their safety and well-being. And on that, we are extremely aligned. Belinda, welcome to Life with Lebang. Thank you for making the time to hang out with us today and just allowing us to pick your brains essentially so that anybody listening at home can confidently enter this phase of, you know, uh, parenting or this phase of even being a young adult who has to find a caregiver for their mother, father, granny, grandpa. Essentially, it's a daunting task 
And I don't think we are honest about how daunting it is. So that's why you're here today. You're here to just, you know, give us the 411 about this whole thing. So as I said earlier, I prefer, you know, finding a nanny with, you know, social media, word of mouth, whatever tools that are at my disposal. What are some of the risks that I'm taking in using that particular method? Well, Lebang, obviously the risks with social media is everything is not always as it seems. And there's a lot of pretense that can come through on social media. Um, So these days, especially in terms of safety and in terms of trusting an individual is who they say they are. It is a very risky process to take. Um, Even asking for recommendations and things like that, obviously you want to also fall back on more in terms of written references, um, things that are more sturdy and in place. Yeah, but like what happens if, for instance, I find somebody that I think, okay, cool, this person could be the person and she or he sends the references and when you call these said references, it's not actual credible references. It's like a friend or a cousin, because like I said, people are desperate mm-hmm. and they'll do anything that they can to get work. Who's at fault in that, in that situation? Because if I feel like it's just easier to use social media and word of mouth, it, that's how I feel. But the person that I am looking for or the person that maybe I connect with or I get that connects with me is already lying from the beginning about <laughs> who they're you know, their reference is. So I call the reference. I'm like, Oh, Hey, Oh, are you the ex, uh, you know, boss of said individual? And they go, Oh, I loved her. I loved him. They were so good. They did this and this and this. You'll love them. And I'm like, okay, cool. Clearly this means I'm on the right track. And then I hire that person only to be disappointed. So it happens. Mm. It, it definitely happens is the point. What are some other methods, you know, um, that you would suggest, like from a safety perspective, for the safety of the child and for the safety of, you know, the parents as well? Um, yeah. What are some of the other mes- methods that you would suggest versus social media? Well, obviously, one of the methods is what you mentioned in terms of a nanny agency. Um, I think these agencies have a lot of knowledge in terms of what they're doing. They know what they're looking for. Um, they also ensure that all the individuals have everything in place um, so that you're not dealing with people that you are not familiar with. They do the background checks, the police clearance, all of the necessary checks to ensure your safety. That sounds cool. If you can afford it, <laughs> like I said, like it just, it, it seems like a great, and you know, as a business model, I think it's cool. We see a lot of these agencies popping up, uh, the likes of Sweep South and blah, 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 blah. I think they're doing great because there's definitely a need for this. But I, I, this, like realistically, as South Africans, you know, we are kind of like most of us, like the middle class anyway. When it comes to finances, you know, you have to, Put your money where you can, especially with things like load shedding and blah, 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 petrol prices going where they're going and food prices going where they're going. That won't necessarily be a priority all the time. Like getting an a using an agency won't be top of mind because the first question is, can I afford this? And the second thing is, maybe I can just do this myself. Just find someone. You know, I've got colleagues. I've got people I interact with. I can just ask them. So if you can afford it, I think that's great. That's cool because like you're saying, 
it saves you a whole lot of time. You know, it cuts out all this work and whatever the case is, the screening process. Mm. But realistically, um, I don't know. Already, if you can afford to have a nanny, you are way better off. Like, lucky you. Because a lot of people generally can't afford that. Mm. They have to leave their kids at home. And then their kids must figure it out. They must raise themselves. It's sad, but it's the reality of most South Africans. So... You know, I hear that the agency is the, the, another method, but I feel like there needs to be like a middle ground. Can't we find like a balance between like the agency and like the, the word of mouth vibe, like an in between where it's more affordable for the average, you know, South African who then won't feel like they have to work and leave their kids at home. No parent wants to leave their child at home unattended. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a choice because you need to put food on the table, you'll end up having to leave your child by themselves. And when you leave a child unattended, that's the beginning of the end, essentially. So we've spoken about now how to get a nanny. Cool. Now the next and most important thing is ensuring that, let's say you found your nanny, ensuring that this nanny is the right person, ensuring that the, you are aligned, you know, with this person that you've selected, figuring out essentially how to maintain the best relationship with the nanny and my, and your child is the most important thing because who spends the most time with your child when you're not there? It's the nanny. So you always need to be aligned with this person. You always need to be on the same page with this person. And very recently, what I have started doing with my nanny who now, like I I adore her because like I said, I found the right person eventually. We communicate so much and about everything. If she's having a bad day, she'll tell me, Oh, I woke up, wasn't feeling okay. Da, 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 da. If she's having a great day. She'll tell me if she needs something. She'll tell me if I'm having a good day or a bad day. I'll tell her. I mean, of course there's boundaries in place, but it's essential for her to always be aligned with me because essentially when I leave the house, she takes on that role of mother and my kids need to know that. So if me and my nanny are, if I'm on page 72 and she's on page 104, <laughs> you know, the kids are going to see that firsthand and kids be kids. Kids are, are clever in that they're constantly watching what adults are doing. So how do I ensure that I'm building constantly a good relationship with my nanny? Yeah, I think you made a very good point there in terms of, you know, being on the same page with the person and in terms of your children being very perceptive because they will pick up immediately when things are not okay. I think it's important in any relationship to have that mutual respect with one another, to be honest and open in your communication, and to be vulnerable in a sense as well, you know, to not pretend like you are the superwoman. Mm, mm. And like you said, on bad days, your nanny tells you so that you create that understanding as well between the two of you. So that you can relate better to one another. And I think it's also very important in the initial interview process to set clear expectations from both of your sides. Mm -hmm. So that you know what to expect from her and she knows what you expect from her. Yeah, um, I hear that and I completely agree with you, Belinda. I think you're absolutely correct in the transparency, especially from the beginning. Because if you leave things unsaid... Only later do you start to tackle these things. And we're all humans. Not all days are going to be the same. 
things will affect us differently. We all react differently. It's, it's a partnership in a sense. It's a partnership that you're coming into with this person because you're trusting them with really your most prized possession. Your most, the most important thing in your life, you're trusting this person. So it has to be a partnership. And like in all partnerships, some days are good, some days are bad. How do you, how would you suggest, Belinda, that somebody like me who is not really great at conflict resolution and struggles with confrontation, how would you suggest conflict be handled in situations that make us essentially uncomfortable? So a couple of weeks ago, um, so I've got two nannies. I've got a part-time nanny who comes and does like spring cleaning. And then I've got the full-time nanny who's like the one who's like, yo, looking after the kids full-time. Boom, boom, boom. There was a little bit of like friction a couple of weeks ago where like some food went missing. And growing up, I've never really been able to just like be confrontational, be like, where's my food, people? You know, bring back my food. I'm just not that person. I'm very like, guys, wherever the food is, can we please, let's like kumbaya about it, world peace. And I mean, it's, it, it hasn't done much for me, to be honest. Like, as I grow older, I, I try to, I'm trying to outgrow that side of me because it's backfired a lot in the past. So I was faced with a situation where I'm a new homeowner. I'm the mother of a ho- household now. And... I have to be stern and I have to be like, I have to get out of my comfort zone essentially and take on this new energy of like, you know, without the aggression, just like being confrontational and be like, hi, ladies, where's the missing food? Okay, cool. Thank you. Bye. And I had to, you know, adjust. And I'm grateful that I was able to do that because it made, it set the tone for the kinds of things I will tolerate and what I will not tolerate. And I like to believe that since then, there's like another, there's a new layer of respect that's been added. So I'm proud of myself, but I don't think everybody will be able to do that. So how would you suggest is the, like someone handle conflict with a caregiver and with somebody that essentially they are in a partnership with and they're entrusting to look after their children? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to be assertive, you know, not aggressive. But assertive. Definitely not aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) Aggression will just fuel the fire and the response will not be a positive one. So, yeah, it's important to, to establish that assertiveness with the person and it's important to be open in your communication and to essentially just come right out and say, what it is that you yeah you want to say but obviously in a respectful manner yeah yeah um maybe even you know make it an intentional conversation where you mm. sit the people down or the nannies down and mm. you talk to them about this for sure now i hear that i hear that and how do i then ensure that this doesn't affect my child because we don't want our kids to be exposed to certain things and there's only so much controlling you can or can't do of what your kids or what the kids experience. Let's say the nanny takes it the wrong way and she essentially or he essentially is like, ah, oh, you know what? I didn't like how you addressed this matter. And so that was messed up. But they don't tell you. They just keep going because for them, it's, you know, it could just be a job. How will that ultimately affect the child? Because what I do worry about sometimes is that the, the, the happenings between a, 
nanny slash caregiver and their employer shouldn't affect how the nanny treats the children. But we are human. We are human beings. So if I have just had a little bit of a tiff with you and now I need to go and like freaking make food for your kids and feed your kids, I'm not going to be like the jolliest person while doing that. How do I ensure as a parent that the things that I'm experiencing with my nanny slash caregiver do not then spill over into the children? I think it's very difficult to ensure that 100%. Um, but it's important in your expectations as well that you lay out what you are prepared to accept and tolerate and what you will not tolerate so that they are aware that you will not tolerate that kind of behavior, that whatever your relationship is like with them should not impact negatively on the children and on how they treat the children. And if it does, then there are obviously going to be negative consequences for them. I hear that. I hear that. Belinda, what are some of the things that you have like personally experienced in your work that have sort of like shaped your thinking and shaped your position and like where you stand with regards to, you know, how caregivers essentially relate to children? Like what is, what is like a story that you can share with us where you're like, yo, this was hectic and because of this, I am now moving in this direction. Or just one of the most memorable things that really like warmed up your heart in your work um, that relates to, to how children are essentially being treated. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Belinda's looking at me like, oh my gosh, now I need to think. Um, I'm just thinking, thinking, do your thing, do your thing, do your thinking thing. Because I mean, we get moved by experiences, you know, we get moved by like different families and different kids that we meet and, and we get touched by, by people. So I'm just like interested in with like to find out essentially like in like your daily work and being a social worker and some of the things that you experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, the majority of the experience that I've had was actually in child protection. Okay. Um, so I worked at a child protection organization. And obviously through that experience, I was exposed to a lot of child abuse situations, neglect. Um, so unfortunately, more the negative side of things in terms of how children get treated or mistreated. Um and I think that is why I am so passionate about children and their safety and their well-being and ensuring that they do feel loved and cared for and that they have that sense of trust with the caregiver um, and most of all that they are protected, especially in yeah. the society that we live in. Yeah. I want to speak a little bit about the neglect part that you mentioned because essentially this ties into our conversation um, that as a working parent, you are prioritizing putting food on the table for your child. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to leave your child for a few hours every day to go and commit that time to said work. Some call it new age slavery, but to each their own. So again, some people can afford to get care for their child and through an agency, find the right nanny or through friends or through whatever, find a nanny and afford to keep and maintain this nanny. Mm -hmm. But many, many people simply cannot. 
and their only option is to leave that child alone. And essentially that child is neglected mm. and that child has to figure out life alone with no support. What are the long-term damages that that does to a child? I can imagine that there are many and it can't be easy as a child to raise yourself mm. and then raise your younger siblings because you grow up way too quickly. If you're lucky, you stay on the right path. But for many children, they end up getting guidance from the wrong people, the wrong influences, the streets. Mm. I'll be frank. I'll call it what it is. I will call it what it is. The streets end up raising your child. And that is not a situation that is ideal. So what are some of the things that you've seen, you know, long-term effects of this said neglect? Mm. Mm. Well, obviously, you know, it's not, um, you shouldn't leave your child without any adult supervision. So you should be able, well, you should try and make some kind of a means, even if it means that your neighbor is there to check on your children, if there's a family member that can take care of them, because at the end of the day, anything can happen. And children, there's a reason why children shouldn't be left alone unsupervised, because they can get hurt and, you know, they can burn themselves, they can do all sorts of things. So... um yeah, going back to your question, I think the long-term effects are essentially that that child loses their trust possibly um, in terms of, you know, the adult caregiver because they don't have that role that is supporting them and providing guidance to them. And as you mentioned, unfortunately, children do turn to the wrong influences to find that guidance. The streets. The streets. <laughs> what it is yeah. and it's so unfortunate i mean i remember back in the day you know we'd say things like it takes a village mm. to raise a child but back then like the village was safe <laughs> the village was popping the village was filled with wise people who who cared for children i don't, I don't know if it's just me but like these days this village is not looking as pretty as it used to be this village is not full of predators mm. this village is full of foul individuals who are so, I mean, so mad at the world and mad at themselves that they take it out on these children. And these poor kids are being, sure, raised by this village. But when last did you assess this village? When last did you check that, you know what, these are the right people? When last did you, let's say you, your only option is for your neighbor to help you out and look after your kid. What if your neighbor's just a terrible person? <laughs> Like, are you just going to be like, well, it's an adult, so it's fine. No, mm -mm. you need to be intentional about the type of person that you leave your child with, essentially, because that person will rub off so much onto your child. It's not even funny. We are. And I say this a lot. We are like sandpaper. Every single person is like sandpaper and we rub off onto one another. So if I spend the whole day with you, Belinda, today, there's something that I will learn from you. Then there's something that you will learn from me. And tomorrow you'll wake up a different person just because we've been rubbing shoulders the whole day. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing is your choice. <laughs> that is the only thing that you can actually control. So back to the nanny conversation uh, very quickly. Another thing I've been struggling with is micromanaging like my, my nanny because it's like I want you to be able to take control of situations. I There's ways that I like things to be done, sure. 
But if I teach you something and I train you in a certain way about my household and how I prefer things and you battle with that, because you may have your own methods. Now it's just like this back and forth. Now there's like a bit of tension and there's a little bit of conflict still. You know, it's different methods of of raising children. And sometimes you'll find that your nanny also has children. And your nanny has raised his or her children in a specific way. What if that's not how you want to raise your children? What if it clashes? How do I ensure that balance of her trained methods and, you know, what I will or won't accept is there? How do I ensure that, cool, we're at a place where I'm okay with this, even though it's not what you are used to or what you would essentially be doing? How do we just get to a place that's like, okay, cool, I can trust you now. I've trained you and you're doing what I've trained you to do. Goodbye. How do we get to that place? And how do we maintain that place? <laughs> I think with any um, relationship, there needs to be that element of compromise to some extent. So, and as much as you are the employer, um, the nanny would obviously then need to respect you and respect your wishes and the way in which you want to do things. But there also needs to be that openness um, in terms of maybe things being done a different way. Um, but there needs to be respect as well. So she needs to respect the mm. fact that you have employed her for a reason and you wanted to do things in a certain way. But then you accept maybe she does things a little bit differently, but it's not the end of the world at the end of the day. Very random, but I'm just remembering a situation that I was in with my mother. Oh my goodness. So before I moved into my own place, I was still living at home. And that's when I had my first child. And everything was cool, you know, living with mom, granny, loved it. She was like, oh my gosh, I'm living with my grandson. I love it here. Like she was enjoying herself. When my son turned like five, she was still sort of coddling him, right? And this is obviously not like a nanny situation now. This is like straight family, but still. She was straight up still coddling him, still like feeding him on her lap, all these sorts of things that I was not happy with. And I struggled with my mom because I said to her, look, dude, I appreciate that this is your grandson. And for you, this is like, woo, you're enjoying all of this. But for me, this is my son. It is my responsibility to decide how best to raise him within this situation. And for me, I prefer to raise a little independent king that can feed himself, that can bath himself, that can do things on his own with my guidance, but not dependent on only me. Because there'll be times when I unfortunately won't be around. And when I'm not around, I don't want him to be crippled. And I don't want him to not know where to start. So help me to help him, mother, is what I said to her. And we ended up like, you know, Kind of like not in the best place because she was so adamant on like, this is a child. A child needs constant care 24-7. You need to put the, sp- the, f- the spoon in his mouth. He can't just feed. And it really, it caused a bit of a rift between me and my mom, essentially because of just differences in methods. And that's how she raised us. And like, thank you. But like, I'm trying to unlearn that. Like, I don't want to be dependent on, I don't want my child to be dependent on me in the way that I was dependent on you because I got off the teeth too late in life is my, is my, uh, assessment. 
is that I, because of all that coddling, it kind of did me a disservice. Cause when I got into my adult years, I was still so dependent on you. And I don't want my kids to be too dependent on me. I want them to be free. I want them to spread their wings. So now within the family context, how do you manage that situation? Because at the end of the day, it's my mother's house. It's her, it's her shoe that does the, <laughs> I'm trying to directly translate of her neck. <laughs> and it's just not working. Like when she speaks, she is spoken and she's the boss. You have to do what she says. So now I'm in her house trying to make maneuvers and decisions about how my child is being raised. How does one deal with that when a family member, and I can imagine this happens to a lot of people, when a family member says, look, we've been raising kids in this family for over a hundred years and it's worked. You know, we're not, nothing is broken. Sure. But I just don't want to vibe with that. How do we handle that? <laughs> Cause clearly this is something that is, we need to talk about. Cause I don't want to find myself there again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, as family members, you know, she needs to respect you as the biological mother of your child. And she needs to respect those boundaries that you establish. Mm, mm, mm. And there again, you know, it's important to have that mutual understanding with one another. She needs to understand your reasoning for why you are saying what you are. And that it's not just you trying to be difficult or otherwise with her. Mm, For sure. Yeah, you used the word boundaries and respect. (laughs) In the same sentence, I'm just thinking about if my mother's listening to this right now, I'm probably going to get quite a talking to when we get home. But essentially, that's that's it, right? It's just it, that's what it is. It's just boundaries. It's just respecting that this is an adult uh, who is making her own decisions about her own child. But look, we got through it. It was it was like four or five years ago. A lot has changed since then. I'm glad we got through it. But um, grannies will be grannies, man. Just you have to let them do their thing, essentially. So. Another thing I recently have tried to introduce in my children's lives and in my nanny's lives, life is spending more time outside of the house. Uh, because, you know, you, you get confined and you, you, I don't want my nanny to feel like caged in. I want her to take walks with the kids. I want her to go to the mall with the kids. You know, I want her to, if she's up for it, you know, attend like events with the kids, really just form a life outside of the house with the children. Not so that it feels like, you know, like a jail setup. What are the things that I need to look out for to ensure that my child is safe in an environment where the nanny's there and I'm not there? Hmm. Well, I think you need to ensure that the person is very vigilant and they're very aware, situationally aware of what is around them in terms of the dangers that can present themselves outside of the house. And also that they are attentive to the children's needs. You know, not that they are, for instance, sitting on their phones all the time, not really um, observing what the children are doing and just paying full attention to them. I I hear that. But as as like a parent, do I have the right to sort of like dictate for example, like how much screen time my nanny's allowed in a day because phones are extremely distracting. And I have on multiple occasions found, you know, my nanny chilling on her phone, on WhatsApp, or on Facebook, while she should essentially be looking after the kids. Do I have a right to say to her, look, dude, you're spending too much time on your phone, maybe like limited to when the kids are napping or to when you get a break or 
just take it to the extreme and say no phones while working. Do I have a right to say that? Can I strip her of her cell phone? Well, as an employer, I would say you do have the right. Um, in your expectations, you would state what it is that you expect of her. And at the end of the day, she is there to perform a role. Um, she's there to work. So I wouldn't say to go as far as stripping her of it completely. <laughs> But maybe allowing that freedom, you know, when the children are sleeping or something like that. But you don't want her to be constantly on her phone, that she's not actually paying attention to what is happening around her. You said a word that is very important for me in this conversation is freedom. And within this context, freedom, I believe, is an essential part of the work because of the nature of it because it's such a a sensitive you are you are responsible for how this child will think you're responsible for how this child reacts you're responsible for how this child for what this child learns when the parent isn't there this is now your response it's a big job but having that freedom within your work also allows you to be i guess your true self so if at the core of who you are you're a positive person, you are passionate, you are, you know, you believe in stuff and like you've got big dreams or whatever the case is, then essentially you'll be rubbing off this great energy onto kids. But what if like you only do that when there's an audience? What if you're only like, you, you know, you're pretty much faking it. And then like when it's just you and the kids, that's when you show your true colors. Because we see these things, like these things pop up on the internet, on social media, where it's like, you have hidden cameras in the house. There's a lot of parents that just don't trust off the bat because they've been burnt before. So they'll put like a hidden camera in the teddy bear and oh, behind the bookcase. Hey, these things happen, not just in the movies, in real life. And then when they freaking come home from work and they just, you know, tra-la-la-la-la, scrolling through the camera today, then they see like their child is getting abused or something. Like... Of course, the first thing to do is freaking call the popo. It's like report the situation because this is not on. But where do you, you know, how do you report a case of, for example, psychological abuse? Because at least, and not at least, at least isn't the word. With physical abuse, where your child's getting smacked. And imagine if you don't smack your child, but your, your, your nanny or your helper smacking your child. I would lose my mind. I'll be like, whoa, whoa, and discipline is a whole other part of this thing that we haven't even touched on. <laughs> and I'm sad that we're running out of time because that is also another thing like that. Yay. In, in the, in terms of transparency, when you're interviewing, that's when you also, you know, share your opinions on discipline and say, look, in this household, we don't raise a hand to the child. This is how we prefer to discipline them. What if the nanny's like, no, just go outside and fetch a stick. Or just get the nearest shoe and just show them. <laughs> like, yo, hey, please be aligned is essentially what I'm, I'm begging you. Please be aligned with your, with your caregivers because you don't want like muvango in your house. You don't want just like a mess essentially because the adults and the parents were never able to speak and decide. So back to my question. The nanny starts psychologically abusing my child. You know, this may be calling them names, uh, spoiled brat, saying, my, you know, the child's naughty, the child's ugly, body shaming from a young age. There's a lot of things that happen from a young age that essentially affect the child negatively. 
So in situations where my child is being physically abused, you know, um, you can't identify the bruises. Essentially, the child themselves may not have the enough words in their vocabulary to say, mom, dad, I don't like how this person is treating me. She called me fat. She called me this. She called me. Sometimes they're too scared as victims of abuse. Sometimes mom's the mom's unfortunately the word. They just they keep quiet. Now imagine a child. How do I know if my child is being psychologically abused? So you as a mother um, need to trust your gut instinct, but you will know your child essentially the best and you will observe behavioral changes in your child. So they might become, you know, withdrawn. Um, they might have a low self-esteem. They might start um, having difficulties in their school. You know, they're not performing well at school. They might have concentration issues. There's a number of telltale signs that may indicate that there may be a problem. I'm so tempted to take this to another level. Like, I want to ask, how do I identify if my child is being psychologically abused by another adult that possibly isn't like a nanny or caregiver? Like, it could be like a parent, whether it's like a stepdad or a stepmom. Will it be the same signs? Yes, it will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure, learning so much today. My word. Lastly, Belinda, before you go, when do I choose to go to the police to report this abuse? And what are the charges that this person can be faced with if if the police do anything about it? I mean, this is South Africa, and we need to be realistic with the state of our SAPS. But in an ideal world where the police were actually supportive and were on our side. And as a parent, you go to the police and say, look, my nanny has been psychologically abusing my child. What are some of the consequences that I can expect to, to see as a parent? Well, child abuse is not taken lightly um, in South Africa. And even though it may not be physical abuse and the, the physical signs may not be there, um, there will be an investigation that takes place to determine to what extent this child has been psychologically abused. So they will go through a counseling assessment process, um, essentially. And the perpetrator will be held liable. I'm not certain what exactly the, uh, the penalties would be. But as I say, it, in South Africa, child abuse is definitely taken very seriously and there are definite serious legal consequences for parents or caregivers or nannies or any perpetrator's behaviors. Yeah. Belinda, before you go, what advice would you give to a parent who is currently looking for a nanny and they're trying to find the right person, not just anybody, but the right person? <laughs> well, I think as we were talking the whole time, what was popping up in my mind was that your value systems need to be the same. Um, because that will obviously filtrate into everything that you do, particularly discipline. Um, and there needs to be that open communication. The person needs to be honest. Um, but 
you trust your gut as a parent as well. Um, first impressions do count. And you will know if that person is the right kind of fit for your family or not, um, particularly for your children. And obviously, also to it's important to observe their interaction with the children because not everyone is capable of being a suitable nanny. Um, and as much as people say, oh, it's just looking after children. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> that can be a very um, tiresome job, and it, it requires a lot from a person, mentally, physically, emotionally. So to make sure that that person is capable of meeting all those needs of your children and that they are suitable for your family. Ah, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> I know you, it's not. <laughs> you make it sound like it's just a walk in the park and this person will fly out the sky and they'll be the perfect person. Look, it's a lot of trial and error as well. Um, in my experience of trying to find the right nanny, I've just been less hard on myself. I used to be so hard on myself when things didn't work out with said nanny. And it was disheartening because as a mother, as a partner, as a wife, as a, you know, you, you, you are like, yay, I finally did it. Here's the right nanny. Kids are going to be great. And then like two weeks later, you see that this is actually not going to work out. And you spend so much time like, oh, I messed up, blah, blah, blah. So I say that to say this. If you're listening, wherever you are right now, and you possibly have cold feet or you're a little bit worried about this process, when the time comes, you will be ready. And when you know, you'll know. Your gut will tell you. Your heart will tell you. And eventually, it'll work out. So worry not, essentially. Don't worry. Just be be clear and be transparent. And be as transparent as possible right from the beginning. Belinda Grunbaum. Did I say it right? No. <laughs> Please correct me. Grunbaum. Grunbaum. Yes. Grunbaum. Love it. Belinda Grunbaum, thank you so much for joining us today on Life with Lebang. I do believe that we've, we've sprinkled a lot of value into the lives of parents that are listening today that are possibly considering getting a nanny or whatever their case may be. It's easy for others, not so easy for the rest. But, uh, my hope is that after listening to this, then you'll feel better about the journey that you are embarking on. Thank you so much, Belinda. It was awesome to chat with you. And if you're listening at home, thank you as well for making the time to hang out with us because some of these conversations aren't easy. But like I said, these conversations are necessary. This has been another episode of Life with Lebang. My name is Lebang Khosana and I will see you next time courtesy of cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.